This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Hey, hey, G-Mac and Doug Brown. I I don't know why I sound so cheerful. It was not a very delightful day in Toronto last Thursday. We are recording this a little bit later than usual. Uh, First of all, because, of course, it was Terry Fox Day. And secondly, I think it's taken Doug and I this long to get over what happened in Toronto. What the hell, Doug Brown? That was something that neither one of us saw coming, and I can say that confidently on behalf of you because, well, I know how you were feeling about this. You'd, you'd assume to win here. It all starts with the fact that you're a 5-0 and football team before you start your road trip to Ontario, okay? So 5-0, and best start since 1960. Uh, Matt Nichols, starting quarterback, has just broken Dieter Brock's record for successive pass completions at, at 19 in a row. Nobody can touch him, undefeated, have beaten some good teams, right? Uh, Edmonton's in there, Ottawa's been up and down. So it wasn't handed to them. Then they go to Ontario and they lose to Dane Evans and McLeod Bethel Thompson. And the cherry on top, of course, was uh, the Toronto Argonauts led by uh, Bethel Thompson, who is now one of the CFL players of the week, uh, they were winless, right? They had not won. They were 0-6 at that point, you know, desperate for something. They were going to be blown out in the first half of this game, and then it all came apart, right? So, you know, it's it's one thing if you're a 3-2 and two football team, a 2-3, and three, and you're middling somewhere in the middle of the pack, and you have good games and bad games, but this team was 5-0. and oh. They were the cream of the crop. And then you went and lost, uh, you know, to a backup quarterback and then to a guy that's hasn't held a starting quarterback job for 18 weeks in his existence. So it was, and who has thrown way more picks than he's thrown touchdowns. So Seven interceptions in his previous two starts. Here's Bethel Thompson again, and he's going to drop back and pass into the end zone. Touchdown, Argos. And it's one of their offensive linemen who caught that. Jamal Campbell. Jamal Campbell. On the season going into this game, he was nine picks and seven touchdowns is where he was at. So he even had the the relationship of touchdowns to interceptions. He had that backwards as well. That, I think, is what is most disheartening about it's not losing two games. It's A, it's who you lost to uh, and the way you did it too. Because if you're up 20-0 against an opponent... Obviously, what are you just that good in the in the first? No, I mean obviously you have some competitive advantages in that game. There's a reason you're up by almost three touchdowns, and then you just not be able to like. I know teams make adjustments, but you know this is supposed to be the one, number one offense in, in the CFL or, or close to it, and, and one of the top defenses as well. The team that's supposed to be making the adjustments, though. Is the team that's behind twenty to nothing, not the team that's up twenty to nothing. And I would argue the team that made the biggest adjustment was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on offense by going away from Andrew Harris. And Harris to the fifty, the forty-five, the forty, the thirty. Andrew Harris the twenty-five, the twenty, the fifteen, the ten-five touchdown. Blue Bombers did Andrew Harris ever turn it on once he popped through that hole? 
I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. You, you guys seem to go away from the run, which was working so well. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, you averaged 10 yards a carry, I think, and uh, and yet the, for periods it seemed like they went away from you, and sometimes we, we find that a little bit difficult to understand. And it, if you guys make a first down there after the fumble recovery, probably the game's over, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't say uh, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, he had over 100 yards at, at halftime. And, uh, I mean, his first his first carry was for eight yards. I believe his second or third touch of the football in this game, he scored a touchdown, scored a couple touchdowns. Uh, might have had another one if they didn't have that turnover in the red zone. It would have been 27 nothing if they didn't have that turnover in the red zone. Which was Harris's responsibility, a fumble by him. But when you're performing the way you are, you're entitled to a mistake, I would say. Yeah, and I believe, what did he have overall in the game? He had 15 carries for 150 yards or something like that, and then uh, uh, 50 more yards in the air. So. I think it was 199 yards of total, total offense. Yeah. So you're averaging almost 10 yards a carry, and it's just, you know, and Paul Apelouche came out in the in the papers and said, hey, you know, we only had four plays or something like that in that fourth quarter of uh, of that game because – you know, they couldn't stay on the field and they couldn't get anything going and, and the defense couldn't get off the field. So it was just, you don't often, you know, when you're a 5-0 football team, you don't see a collapse like that on so many fronts happen. All, it was a perfect storm of futility is what it was in the second half. We've seen coaches outcoach themselves. We've seen decisions where general managers outthink themselves was this a case of the blue bombers being a little bit too cute in terms of their season planning by staying down in southern ontario we heard the whole discussion about well you know you're going to altitude twice you're flying up to thirty-six thousand feet wow. almost scientific explanations as to why the blue bombers were doing this did they overthink this yeah i mean for me the game was what six days after uh the game against hamilton so plenty of time uh, especially if you have a charter involved to fly home after a game and uh, to come back the day before. Um, I'd much rather, I mean, just from my experiences on extended staycations, I guess, on, on the road for football, I would a thousand times rather come back, even if it was a shorter, even if it was a four or five day turnover, I'd way rather go home, get back into my routines, uh, have the infrastructure available to me, have my personal trainer here, be able to go get a massage here, have the gym that I'm familiar with here, uh, be able to you know do my workouts at the stadium here, uh, know you have access to these things, know you have time, um, know that you can go to the grocery store and not try to bring it up to your hotel room. No, you probably don't have a fridge in there. Everything in your routine gets tested, right? It's put out there. And uh, I think Jeff Heck was one of the guys that, kind of uh, went in the paper and had his uh, eyebrows raised a little bit about, you know, getting out of out of your routine and, and what you're used to doing. Because when you are asked once a week to play a game of this nature at, at this level, you just don't want to be compromising whether you're hydrated, whether you're eating out now all the time, whether you're getting the right and enough treatment. There's, you know, there's not as many trainers that travel on the road, uh, not as many guys around the weight room to help you out. Uh, it's not your weight room. There's just so many variables um, that can get you off your game and get you out of your routines. And, and athletes are creatures of habit. And the longer you're changing their environment, like it's okay to 
to fly in the day before and you stay in a hotel and boom, you're playing the next day because you've done all your work prior to that. The problem with, with staying and extending your stay on the road like this is that's the meat and potatoes of your week in terms of preparation. Okay. Uh, that's your conditioning, your practice, your treatment, uh, your, your strength training and, and your diet and hydration. That is the foundation of how you're going to play and your film study and all these kind of things. And once you're forced to do that in an unfamiliar or foreign environment, even though even though I, I understand the facilities in, in Guelph were great, you know, but it's not the same. It's not the same as preparing at home. So I think every opportunity you have. Now, of course, people are like, well, when, if you play in the Grey Cup, you, you got to be, you know, you got to be able to do this, right? But at least when you play the Grey Cup, nine times out of 10, the team you're playing against is doing the same thing that you're having. You're having to adjust, you're having to adapt and both teams have those disadvantages, right? So it's another thing when you can come home to purposely stay out somewhere and put yourself through that of trying to adjust and adapt your schedule and and your methodologies uh, to suit a, a thing of convenience. Now, for those of you who might think that Doug is looking at this with 2020 vision uh, that we call uh, retrospect. <laughs> Doug was talking about this on the podcast last week as well. If this is your first visit to the podcast, you can check out last week's edition and uh, find out that Doug was not in favor of this decision from the get-go. The Blue Bombers over-corrected things from the previous week. What yeah. do you mean there? I think, you know, especially uh, when you're a reactionary quarterback like like Matt Nichols, um, I think his game got away from him against Hamilton, right? Uh, he did some uncharacteristic things against Hamilton. We saw him force the ball downfield. We saw him take shots into double coverage that he would normally never do. Uh, we saw him put the football in harm's way, which is something a guy that is very ball secure 90-something percent of the time doesn't do. And what did it result? You know, we were bragging all that week about his 12 touchdown to one interception ratio. All of a sudden, you know, he added three picks to that, right? Got up to four. So a guy like that, that plays out of sorts, plays outside of himself in a game against Hamilton, pushing the ball, forcing things downfield. The nature for him, you watch that film, you're like, what am I doing here, right? You you see it and you're just like, wow, like I don't know what I was thinking or I, I can't speak for him, right? But he was putting the ball up for grabs where characteristically that's, that's, that's something he doesn't do. So the tendency for a reactionary guy is you overcorrect then. You're like, well, you know, let's go, let's get back to higher percentage stuff. Let's get back to shorter, medium stuff. Let's not take the chances with the football. I've always won. I've won all these games. I've got, you know, this uh, touchdown interception ratio for a reason because I don't put the ball up for grabs and I don't put it in harm's way. And I think uh, it's human nature to overcorrect and overcompensate, uh, especially when you're coming off a short week from a bad performance. You swing the pendulum too far the other way. And I think, you know, that is what we saw uh, the Toronto game, whereas Hamilton, they took too many shots and they tried to stretch the field too much. Right. They put the ball in the bad places. In Toronto, they didn't do that enough, mm-hmm. right? It was everything was was short and underneath, and uh, it, it was a, a pressure problem once again. Guys were getting to them. Paul Apolli said as much in the in the paper today that you know they had some breakdowns in protection when they did have longer things dialed up. They didn't have time to get the ball out, but I think uh, as much as that was the case. I also think it was an overcorrection 
from Nichols because previously, six days earlier, he'd gotten away and outside of his, his natural game. I mentioned Andrew Harris a few minutes ago. Is there anything more you want to say about the way they used or didn't use Andrew Harris in the second half? Was it a blatant disrespect to Andrew Harris? Did somebody <laughs> fall asleep at the switch here? Like, How do we account for such a dramatic change in strategy when things were going so obviously well with the guy that some people are arguing is the most outstanding player in the CFL so far this season? Yeah, you know, it's uh, sometimes you just get caught up in the moments in the game. There were a few times in that game where some of the Argonauts got in the backfield and Andrew Harris was dropped, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage or, or maybe for a loss. And if you're too much of a prisoner of the moment, you you get taken away from the big picture. It's like, this guy's averaging 10 yards a, a carry right now. He's already scored two touchdowns. I, he is, I mean, every now and then they're going to bust a run like that for sure. Um, but he was breaking loose and he was gashing them on the regular in this game. So sometimes you get reactionary just due to in-game circumstances. It's late in the fourth now and they've caught all the way up and it's kind of it's kind of panic mode, right? And you're not necessarily seeing the big picture for what it is as opposed to, well, he just got stuffed. I should go away from the run. Kind of That's kind of a knee-jerk reactionary kind of process. Well, I mean, football is what have you done for me lately? But that, that shouldn't necessarily be the, the part for the course when it comes to your running back and whether he's been able to produce on every single down. You know, he got stuffed on one run. Well, you know what? Run it the other way now or or do something outside if that was inside. You know, just, just change it up a little bit. But uh, especially in a game like that, when you had Nichols, uh, very evident, not on top of his game, you got to ride the hot horse. Uh, that was a guy that was in the zone right now, and uh, he had every ability, um, just if you were more creative with your run game, um, to to seal that one away for this team. And, and uh, even though it was a game that they were not playing their best football, there was an opportunity for them to uh, to get away with one there. How much of an effect did the fact that the Blue Bombers had two games of their previous three where the game was over at halftime? It's almost like a boxer who puts everybody away in the in the first round, and then all of a sudden he's they're in the, in the fifth he's round, in the eighth. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, Whoa! Now what? I'm in deep water here, and I don't know how to swim. Right? Yeah, I mean, if and that's the state too. Like, this is not the first time they've been up twenty nothing in a game. Right? They've been up thirty seven to six. They've been up by twenty one at halftime. You know, they've been up by uh, double digits number of times. So. I don't know if that was the mentality. They were like, oh boy, here we go again. Another patsy for us. And uh, I don't know if they mentally switched off and or lost focus. And by the time, you know, they were scrambling to get it back, it was it was too little too late. I'm not sure, but yeah, and it's hard. I'm not discounting that. You know, the, the times in my career when we've been up by a lot, you have to manufacture urgency. You mm-hmm. have to play make-believe out there. Hey, let's pretend the game's tied. Or you go in at halftime and guess what everyone says? It's zero zero guys in the third quarter. And you're like, no, it's thirty-seven to six. It's not zero zero, it's thirty-seven to six. You know, and but you gotta tell yourself, no, we won the first half, now we gotta go win the second half. And it's all, you know, it just sometimes it rings hollow with guys and you take your foot off the gas and before you know it, boom, it's done, right? You're past and uh it's almost uh, it's like a tortoise in the hare story, right? This is uh 
culminating these losses. It's uh, the rabbit is so much faster, but it takes a nap. And what happens when it takes a, the tortoise is just plodding along and working and, and going slow and, and you take a nap and you get past, you know? And so it's, uh, it's, it's really frustrating. That's the hardest part too. It wasn't a seesaw battle. It wasn't a, it was uh, all of us were like, Oh boy, well, we don't have to watch the second half of this game either. Right. But we did. This is the first Toronto Argonaut game. I've watched every minute and second of, cause it was riveting because you're like, are they going to be able to hold on to this? Are they going to be the first loss of the worst team in the CFL? And unfortunately it had a bad result. Richie Hall been under the microscope, I would argue for three years. Uh, the defense had some mistakes, Richie Hall mentioned. I think we had 43 mistakes. Uh, we had like 16 missed tackles, but you know, it was just one of those things and you, you learn from it and you, and you grow from it. You say 43 mistakes, expand on that a little bit. Uh, mental errors, you know, if we're in the wrong gap, if we drop the coverage, if we didn't do what we're supposed to do, and that's one game and we don't get those kind of mistakes over two games. For me, you're a five and two football team. If you beat Calgary at home, you're undefeated at home right now. Uh, if you go to six and two, you're still first place in the in the West. You'll be first place overall. It's forgiven. It's water under the bridge. I mean, it's embarrassing what happened in Ontario, but you beat Calgary, you respond, you rebound like that. You're still a six and two. I mean, you don't have to, uh, you know, you, you look big picture at that point, as long as you get a response from this football team. I don't think they're going to be up. I don't think they're going to have that problem about being up 21 nothing or 24 nothing or up by 31 at halftime against Calgary. There won't be any necessity but, uh, to manufacture yeah. intensity in that game. But, you know, this could be a good lesson for this football team too because uh, they've been getting it on social media. There's a lot of angry, disgruntled, disenchanted football fans out of there that have been very vocal about you know, their thoughts on this football team. and Here we whether, go again is and, something that you're hearing a lot of, right? And whether this record is, is overinflated and they're not as good as their record suggests. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a, a quick window for them to, uh, you know, turn the tide yet again. And you get to six and two. Now you're almost potentially at the halfway point of the season. It says something about the type of team you are. If you can respond from the two games that happened in Ontario, you know, you can feel good about this football team again because it means they're resilient, right? And they do have a, a response factor in them, um, but they lose. Then you're like, oh man, where does the bleeding stop now? What do you say right? about three? Yeah, well, three, three. Uh, Three's a trend, once right? Is a, once is a fluke, twice is a coincidence. Three is the start of something, you know, that uh, a bandage is not stopping the bleeding. And then you're starting to wonder, well, where does this end? Is this all a mirage? So big, big game. Uh, you know, usually they say always the next game is the biggest game of the season, but this is really the biggest game of the season right now because you either turn the ship around or you have people wondering, when does this stop? When does this decline of, of success on the football field? Where's the end of that? Or is it a, a slower route? But McLeod Bethel Thompson lit up the Bombers for 363 yards this past week. He lit them up for 400 a month ago here at IG Field. That's not a good trend in terms of the amount of passing offense and and yardage that they're giving up here. So, I mean, a lot of it's situational, but you're right. It it, it doesn't look good, and that's that's a trademark. That's a trait of these Richie Hall defenses is tons of yardage in the air, right? We've seen that before. There's been uh, sporadic moments where it hasn't been there, but 
for the most part, they give up yardage. They don't necessarily give up points. They don't give up red zone opportunities. They take the football away. But man, can you pat your stats uh, in terms of being a prolific uh, uh, air attack against these guys. So that'll be, uh, yeah, if the one thing you take away from these games is I don't think any backup quarterbacks are necessarily scared of playing this football team right now because of, you know, I mean, Dane Evans didn't do anything, but he still gets the win sure. for coming into that game, playing the majority of that game and and at least not screwing it up. But uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson, I mean, wow. Just nobody saw that coming and nobody expected that from, from a defense that's made the kind of steps and improvements and added the kind of talent that they have uh, it was just a total collapse on all fronts. Hey, I understand maybe we didn't have our best game, but when we needed to, yeah. we stopped these guys. We gave we you the, the upper, we got you the ball back. All you had to do was get a first down, and that game is over. We get out of Toronto by the skin of our teeth, but we come back six and one versus five and two. And Bethel Thompson back to pass. Pressure comes, the ball's on the ground, and let's see who's got it. Willie Jefferson has recovered at the Argo, or the Bomber rather, 29-yard line. Well, Willie Jefferson's had himself a game here tonight, and there is a massive play. I thought it was done, you know, when Willie Jefferson uh, forced that fumble. Well, you have to believe it's done at that point, right? Just feed the workhorse now, but then boom, Toronto figured that out as well, right? So it's got to be a different way to get Andrew Harris the football there, and you just got to find a way to get that first down and done. Um, I don't think this football team, like you say, you're still five and two. You don't start pointing fingers at each other. I mean, this is still statistically, this is still a very uh, productive offense right now. They just have, you know, had their moments where they haven't showed up. It's been there's been a few too many sporadic moments, inconsistent moments. Uh, uh, for people leaving a bad taste in their mouth right now, but you can't start that, you know, not even at the halfway point in the season when you are overall doing this well. Uh, you know, the the segments of the football team can't start pointing fingers because you never know what's in store for the next game when that that finger will come back back at you with a, a bunch more fingers behind it uh, and uh, a lot closer to your face. So, fans, we mentioned the fans, a little bit anxious. There are a lot of people who've been backing this team. I am one who has been using the hashtag something special with regard to this team when I've been tweeting about the victories. Some of that confidence was shaken with their performance over the last couple of games, and you know that I'm not alone in that, Doug Brown. So what advice do you have to Blue Bomber fans in terms of how do they manage what just happened, and what do you think Blue Bomber fans need to see and should be looking forward to in terms of Thursday to know, other than the obvious victory on Thursday against Calgary, to know that this was a blip versus what we would consider a trend. Yeah, I think I think this team is affected by what's happened. I, I think, you know, I think they're gonna be very dialed in. I think they're gonna be very focused. I think they're gonna be very competitive against Calgary. And I think they have an opportunity to go four and at home this year. So uh, I think the fan base, for you know, largely should reserve their judgment until they see what they do against this Western Division opponent that, that's coming in here, um, because I do believe I mean, this team is so talented. Uh, you know, sometimes it, you have to get smacked upside the head before you get dialed in again, and I think that has happened to this team. And you know, see how they respond to the wake up call, because uh, I'm confident that uh, you know they can accomplish things still this season and, and get things done. And and like I say, uh, put this to bed and put it behind them 
what's happened by having a, a impressive, complete performance on Thursday will go a long way into people saying, hey, you know, that's our blip or no team escapes an 18 game season without a run of uh, of, of trouble or 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 issues and, and, and problems for some of the phases of your football team. So I think uh, Thursday is the cure-all for this football team if they can put together the kind of performances that have got them to 5-2. and two. So that's the hope. Should I ask you what your expectation is? Oh, I think they're going to beat Calgary for sure, without question. I mean, sooner or later, I mean, we can't have these backup quarterbacks standing on their heads and beating the ball. We're talking about returning regression to the norm, right? The law of averages here is you're going to be able, you should be able to take advantage of one of these guys where you, you know you're not a, such a defense that these guys are going to expose you and uh, your offense is is you know going to show up and play a complete game as well not just in spurts bonus question yo what's the better football movie we are marshall remember the titans or rudy oh my god remember the titans all those hands down easily rudy see i met some guys uh that went to notre dame when i was in the nfl and they were like, oh, we all hated Rudy. So that that was the worst characterization of Rudy because none of his teammates liked him. So you know what? For the most part, you know, if anything, it was a mockumentary when he got carried off the field. But yeah, I talked to a few guys that played at Notre Dame that that were on that team. They're like, yeah, no, he's just a practice hero. And, you know, I don't even think he made the play that they show him make the play in, in that movie. But and then was the other one, We Are Marshall? Mm. Yeah, that's just... That one's too tragic, you know. Remember the Titans is that's just awesome. What a great movie that is. I hope your answer about which that's is That's why the... you go away for training camp. That's how teams come together. That that is how you have teammates bond as opposed to Guelph for an extra six days or whatever. I hope your answer to the question of which is the better football movie is as correct as your prediction for Thursday night because you are 100% correct. Doug Brown will reconvene in one week's time. Thanks for this, my friend. Thank you, buddy. See you next week. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.